What you believe about yourself and your life is likely not based in reality, but in bullshit stories that you did not consent to, pieced together throughout your life with ideas offered to you from external sources. This podcast is here to help you recognize and dismantle those stories so you can reclaim your power and achieve what you want in life. Welcome to Yeah, I Made That Up with life and business coach, Kelly Jackson. Hi, I love you. And my cat is on my lap right now. (laughs) She has decided she cannot make up her mind about whether she wants to be in my office or out of my office. So I picked her up in order to (laughs) try and keep her quiet while I record this. Um, This intro into a conversation I had that I'm so excited to share with you. This is going to be an ongoing situation we have here. Um, You are going to get to meet my best friend of 22 years. Uh, Her name is Laura. And she actually, before I go any further, I want to correct her Instagram handle She um, said that she is Lessons with Laura on Instagram. That is incorrect. She is Lessons from Laura on Instagram, and you should totally follow her. Um, But Laura and I met in college. We attended Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri together. Um, And we actually met, (laughs) we actually met because I was, we were, we were on the same floor of our dorm building. Robley Hall. We were on the third floor and I was walking down the hall one day. She had her door open and she was watching Friends and I could not get friends in my room, in my dorm. And I was like, uh, you're watching Friends? How are you watching Friends? And we bonded over that television show and ended up, I I don't know, I still don't know how she got better signal in her room than I did. We were like four rooms apart. Um, But we watched so many movies and television shows together. Um, And then we moved in together with another friend and a year later, a different friend who is by the way, my assistant, Megan. Um, And we, you know, have just been friends ever since. Um, But you are going to get to hear from her today. She's going to become a regular on the pod. We're going to talk probably once a month. That's the plan. And um, this first conversation is about the idea of feminism and direct sales. Because like I said, we both went, we, we went to Stevens College, which is a women's college here in the Midwest. And um, a few years into my direct sales career, Laura decided to join my team, which was a complete shock to me. Um, I thought she would be amazing at it from the beginning, but she was very, very anti, very anti direct sales or any kind of sales. <laughs> For herself, not as, not as like a generality, but for herself. Um, but a few years into my career, she and her husband had a child and I was working from home and had tons of time available. While she worked, I watched her son. And one day, um, I remember her asking me some questions, but I didn't really think anything of it. But one day her husband came home from work and he said, Hey, so I think Laura's going to join your team. (laughs) I was, I was shocked. (laughs) Y'all, I was shocked. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? (laughs) Laura's going to join my team. Um, But she did. And she did so well. Um, She earned positions of prestige. She earned trips. She and I actually were on a cruise together that we both earned, um, several years ago. And it was an absolute delight to have my best friend on my team. She ended up, she earned, she earned so much. 
She did incredible sales. She was a phenomenal leader. And she ended up being the second on my team, essentially. Um, second in command, I guess we could say. Because she was consistently top in sales and top in sponsoring and leadership, team sales and all of that. So um, we led the team together and we ended up developing a leadership team within our team, a leadership group within our team. But the two of us really, really worked well together. We balanced each other really well. And so in bringing her into the pod as a regular conversation, I think it's going to be a really great opportunity to explore the various ways that fe feminism and direct sales work together because my way is not the only way. My way has never been the only way. I have always been very clear with anyone I was training or coaching that, you know, I don't know what's right for you. Um, and she always, always, always did things so differently from how I did in business that it made it very clear that my way wasn't necessarily the best way. I could train somebody and Laura can tra could train somebody on the same topic and they would get two completely different variations on that topic and two completely different ways to approach that topic. So I think it's gonna be a really good addition to the pod, um, having conversations with her and bringing, bringing her voice in to add a little bit of a, a different balance to the mix. So anyway, you get to meet her today and I'm very excited about it. Enjoy the first of many conversations with Laura. Oh my gosh. Hello. Um, today we have a lovely treat that is going to become a regular treat and I'm so excited about it. Um, <clears throat> I'm having a conversation today with my bestie of, oh wow, 22 years. 22 years. Um, her name is Laura Rathbun and she and I went to college together. We met attending a women's college <clears throat> and um, became fast friends because of Friends, the television show. <laughs> um, and at one point swore our love to one another um, to the point that we were like, you know, if nothing else works out for us, we should probably just get married because we know that we can live together. We were roommates for a while. <laughs> uh, we joke that we share a brain to the point that we have matching brain tattoos. Um, and for many, many years, Laura was on my direct sales team. Um, and so we grew businesses together as well and trained our team and ran events and um, so I invited her to be part of the conversation that we are having here about feminism and direct sales and how that can go together in really lovely ways. So Laura, hello, welcome. <laughs> hello, thank you for having me. I'm very honored. So very tell honored. us, tell us a little bit about, <clears throat> about you about what feminism means to you and about what your life looks like now with a little bit of distance from our direct sales team and how that has influenced the feminism in your life. Just like, tell us your story. Okay. Um, I hope you all are comfortable. It's going to be about four and a half hours <laughs> for me to just answer this question. That's how I do. <laughs> My favorite thing to say is long story short, not really. It's me. And I don't know how to tell a story short. I tell every detail. And I have to say, up until a few years ago, when I embroidered feminist on a sweater, I never even really thought about what it meant. And I really do think it had to do a lot with the 2016 election and um, feminism becoming more of a very big forefront because of you know, the political turmoil in our country that felt even more real then is when I really started actually thinking about fully identifying as a feminist because I'm pretty sure I was a feminist for quite a while before that, but I didn't really know 
that I needed to fully identify as it because I come from a lot of privilege. And so it just didn't feel overly necessary. I was vocal about advocating for the things that were important to me. I had a very heated discussion with my uh, mother when I was in college or maybe shortly after college about gay marriage. And I don't think it's because of me, but I don't think it's not because of me that her views on that do seem to have slightly shifted over the last 20 years. But I didn't think that every time, every time you bring that up, it's something that I forget. Right. But every time you bring that up, it just kind of makes me stop and think for a second because your mother was involved in my wedding that was mm-hmm. same sex wedding before it was legal. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like, yeah, but, um, she was involved in my wedding. She helped sew you into your dress for my wedding. <laughs> yes, I know. I and know. it's so, um, it's so fascinating to me because so often we can, uh, take for granted that the people in our lives have similar thought process that we do and similar viewpoints that we do and, and similar like values that we do, but that's not always the case. And, um, unless we ask, we don't know. And it never would have occurred to me that your, that your mom would have an issue with same-sex marriage, um, because she was so supportive of me as a person. And I think that that's just so interesting. Well, and I think that's part of the, the dichotomy. I don't know if that's how I'm using it, but I'm going to use it. Um, of some of those core issues, if we want to use the word issues, um, I don't love using the word issues, but that the whole general kind of idea of sure. different ways that people are and how if you've not been exposed to it or known anybody about it, it's a quote unquote issue that you don't know anything about. So you're just like, I don't know, whatever. and. So it wasn't, it wasn't 20 years ago. It's been less than that because it was after your wedding that we had this discussion because, or maybe it was before. Okay. So I really don't remember. And this is something that I think because sometimes in anxious moments, that's when my memory is not as great as it normally is. Cause I have a really awesome memory, but I do remember having this conversation with her. It came up somehow and, um, it was before, you know, like was it prop eight in California and all of that. So it was definitely before all of that, whether it was before or after your wedding. And I just said, I said, how can you, how can you not think that it's okay for two people of the same sex to get married? You know, it's, it's love, it's love. And she said, I don't have a problem with them getting married. I just don't think it necessarily needs it. it I don't think it should happen in the church. My mother is very much from the church sure. and she was putting, separating it into two different things. I was having a very hard time emotionally at the moment separating those two things because what, what do you mean? Like I, my best friend can do whatever she wants. Why does it matter? Um, and I said, but you went to her wedding or maybe I said, what if Kelly wants to get married someday? I see. This is why I don't remember how it was. And sure. she said, or maybe it was the wedding. I said, you went to her wedding. And she said, I did. She said, it wasn't in a church, but it was also kind of hard for me, but it also wasn't because I love Kelly and Kelly is wonderful. And I, was there because I love Kelly and was supporting Kelly and supporting you. And I did not understand at the time that separation, that separation of, for use of a better term, like, like a separation of church and state that someone actually could do that within an actual like relationship within their life. And it is something that, and, and now I, I, you know, will say she has also now abdicated to my knowledge just conversations that I've had with her, not like, I don't have any like official proof of this, but I think she has advocated within her um, like church organization throughout the whole state of like same sex marriage it's happening. And if we don't let people happen, let it happen in our church, that means we're literally putting people away from our church. And that's not what we believe in. So to my knowledge, like obviously her thoughts on this have evolved and have changed as we all do, because we don't know what we don't know until we start to think about it and we start to learn. And then maybe we make changes. And of course, um, so it was very interesting to me to see those changes in someone and how it, how it grew. But even then <laughs> feminism still was something that I just was like, yeah, I'm a feminist until I started 
honestly, it was social media because of the social media zeitgeist. And when you see more and more people posting about like, if you're not a feminist, sit down, or it's not bad to be a feminist, or it's not, you know, all those types of things. And I was like, well, yeah, no, it's not. And like, yeah, I am a feminist. And I realized that like, like there are people who aren't. Mm-hmm. it's not just about political views. There are actually people who aren't feminists. And I honestly, because of the, the place of privilege I've come from in my life of being a white cis woman who is in a heteronormative relationship, I had never had to put that out there because I just hadn't at, a, at that point yet, like in a public atmosphere. And then a few years later, I was like, uh, I'm going to embroider it on a sweater because I am a feminist and I don't care if people know it. Like it was almost like a not anywhere close to a coming out, but it was like, a, it's fine. I don't care if people know it. It's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing. It's not even like in a lot of cases necessarily a political thing. It's just what the hell? And I thought I think it was also kind of my way of of the more people are willing to say. I'm a feminist, the more it breaks down the stigma of people thinking, if I say I'm a feminist, they think I'm incredibly progressive, leftist, blah, 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 blah. Because that's not necessarily true. Like it's, you know, not one does not necessarily mean the other. It's not necessarily true. And there is a lot of backlash against the feminist movement as a generality from progressives for feminism, essentially being white feminism. And like, that's a fucking problem too. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Feminism should not just be white feminism. And those of us who are white within feminism need to fucking understand that that's what has been happening forever. Yeah. And it's also not, it's not just for cis women. It's not for, you know, I mean, and so all of that, um, and obviously, you know, there've been a lot of, a lot of very public things that have happened in terms of people coming out and being like, well, feminists, but mm, trans women don't count. And, you know, like mm, you can kind of fuck right off. Yeah. God. And it's just the more that it comes about, the more I'm like, I, I, I honestly do not understand fully how you can think that way. But I also know that a lot of people don't think the way I do. So in being in direct sales, which is something I never thought I would do. Um, and you even specifically told me you'd be really awesome at this. And I said, "Eh, never going to happen. You can fuck right off with that too. (laughs) And then a couple of years I did it because I had a baby and I wanted to do it. And I wanted that freedom and that flexibility. And I needed to feel like me again. I had absolutely lost myself in not just motherhood because I had a job at the time too, but I just didn't know how to exist outside of, I have this job, I'm this kid's mom. And I, it was so isolating in my brain because of the severe um, depression and anxiety I had. I mean, I've, I've had my whole life, but I had to quit medication to try and get pregnant and to get pregnant and have this pregnancy, which was beautiful and something I'd always wanted. And also the hardest thing I've ever done because to not be on medication, to have every day knowing I'm growing this human and to have this so severe anxiety weighing on me. I know I put myself in preterm labor because of it. I just pushed the stress to the limit. So then to be, you know, I think Finn was like seven or eight months old when I actually started my business, but I had been thinking about it and really like actually having conversations with my partner about it and um, even researching other direct sales companies because I was like, well, I could do it, but I don't really care about what Kelly does. So let me look at some of the other ones. And I was like, oh, they don't make as much money. And if I do it with Kelly, at least I'm doing it with Kelly. Um, But I've been doing that for several months. So Finn really was only a few months old when I was like, I've got to do something. And this feels like it could be the way. I mean, I was also jealous of your trips, your fun, your new (laughs) friends and all of that. And I just, I had none of that, not because I didn't have it, but because I didn't see what was there and I didn't know how to take advantage of what was there. So I started the business, not knowing at all that the personal relationships and the personal growth and the actual just relationship, um, overall, like being 
of relationships in general in my life, I had no idea that is what would change the most. Not necessarily because it was a relationship like company helping relationships, but because of what it would do to me and my view on every relationship in my life, period. Full stop. I think that's, I think that is something that is so commonly overlooked within the conversation of direct sales, because (laughs) I was actually just talking about this with one of my coaching clients the other day. We talk about it as a business, but nobody gives a shit about the business. People care (laughs) about the money or they care about the friendships or they care about having something of their own or they care about shopping at a discount, or, I mean, there are so many things that people care about, but nobody gives a shit about the business. And the part that almost everyone exclusively focuses on is the money. And great. I am not, I am anti-capitalist to a certain extent, but I am not anti-women making money. (laughs) And direct sales is primarily women. I am pro women making all the fucking money. Um, And so like, if that's all you focus on, no matter whether you are trying to build a team or considering getting into direct sales, or you're on like part of the fucking anti MLM movement, like if all you focus on is the money, you are only focusing on a small percentage of why people get into direct sales and why people actually give a shit enough to stay in direct sales. And the relationships and the friendships and the sense of having something of your own is so much more profound than the money. And that's what like people may even get in thinking that they are getting in for the money, but it's the relationships and the sense of having something of your own that really, really keeps them being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And there are so many ways that that has been part of humanity, primarily focused in religion for all of basically fucking forever. But now we need that sense of community because everything is so isolated, nuclear families and and everything is so isolated. Whereas that's not really how humans have interacted in the past. So having a connection to a group, having a connection to people who you actually want to spend time with and having a connection to people who support you sort of implicitly as a built in part of your business. That's so much bigger than anything else. And when you have that and you do come from a feminist standpoint, then you're able to help women and their families in such a really meaningful way, regardless of how much money is involved, regardless of how much money the, the, the person makes. Because if, you know, say, say we have a, a heteronormative family and mom has so much pressure to take care of everything in the family and she has lost her identity as you've kind of, you know, talked about in, in yourself, And then suddenly you reclaim part of yourself and then you reclaim more of yourself and you reclaim more of yourself. You gain back so much of what you've lost and you discover so much about yourself. And that is worth everything for you, for your romantic relationship, for your children and for the world, honestly. I mean, because if we had more Again, speaking in heteronormative relationships, if we had more women who are owning themselves and claiming themselves and showing up fully as themselves, rather than being so depleted and feeling like they've lost part or all of themselves in motherhood, in their careers, in whatever else, like the entire world would fucking change. Absolutely. Change. Absolutely. And I, I honestly do not have the capacity or the desire to want to do that mental work to think at this point who I would be and where I would be and how I would be now as a mother to a nine and a half year old, as a partner, as everything that I am now, if I hadn't have had the experience of having 
you know, being on our team, having our um, relationships, having that business and having all of that, because I, it was, it meant everything. It gave me everything. It was not an easy path. It was not a, a smooth transition to my own, giving myself my own isolation of being mom and provider and taking care of my kid and feeling like I had nothing else to having a thriving business, having a social life and having all this. It wasn't an easy transition and it was hard. It was hard within my relationship with my partner. You know, he didn't fully understand at times what, why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And that's part of it is struck sales. That's what it is. People don't understand it. Men really don't get it. They don't know why you would want to sit and look and talk on the phone with like-minded individuals doing the same thing you're doing for three hours a day and then go off and run your own business. Like didn't understand that. And I get it. Some days I didn't understand it. And other days it was everything. So it's not, um, something that, that was perfect. What is perfect it, but it was something that like to this day, I don't know how I could have maintained and formed the relationships I have now without having that experience and that knowledge and that, that empowerment, literally empowerment to say, I need this from my friends. I want to be your friend. You know, I have a couple of, of girlfriends now that I only met within the last three years and my relationships with them started because I was just like, I would like to spend some time with you. You want to go, can we get dinner? Can we hang out? Okay. What's your phone number? Great. I'm going to text you. Oh, Hey, I'm going to text you this bitmoji. And now this bitmoji, Hey, I just thought of this thing, blah, 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 blah. And now one of them I work with every day and it's, I I'm actually, I'm, I'm very, I was very sad today because I'm not going to see her on a daily basis now for two months. And, you know, I said, bye. She said, bye. And I said, I'll see you soon. She said, yes. And I said, please really? She's like, yes. <laughs> and I just texted her an hour ago a picture of my dog. Cause she loves my dog. Um, she loves Andy. And then I said, PS, I miss you already. And she was like, I miss you too. I didn't know how to do that with friends period yeah. before my direct sales business, before I learned how important it is to communicate with your clients and with your hostesses and whatever in direct sales. And then to also help your clients learn how to communicate with their partners all of this communication that's happening, it's all this intermixing soup of communication gave me so much empowerment to realize that I could also be communicating with everyone in my life in a more effective and efficient and loving manner. And growing up with the, the social anxiety and the generalized anxiety I had from the time I can remember thinking and existing in the world, I never knew how to tell people how I felt about them. I never knew how to instigate anything. I, it was the scariest thing in the world for me to invite my friends to my birthday sleepover every year, because what if they say no? What if they don't want to come? I, I, had, I always had a boyfriend or whatever, and I never knew how to ask them, hey, let's go do something. It was me waiting. And then they'd be like, should we go see a movie or something this weekend? Yes, yes, when? Okay, when? I wanted to go see a movie and hang out with them. I had no idea how to ask. I didn't think I could. I did not have that within me. And there was a lot going on there. And so I think part of that is understanding within giving women this empowerment of just owning your voice in every aspect and capacity of my life, of your life, of their life. Um, And you can't help but help others and your clients when you're doing that. And so I know that I have helped a lot of my clients, you know, it's okay to speak up and speak and say what you want, say what you're going to do, say what you care about, what you don't care about. But there are moments that I forget when I'm having conversations with women that I spend a lot of time with that have not come from the direct sales background. Mm-hmm. And I was, and, and they'll say something about a relationship, whether it's with a child or with a partner or a parent. And I'm like, Oh, just tell them what you want or tell them like, no, that's not okay. I don't like that. And then I, I, I catch myself realizing like, not everybody gets it in that capacity. Not everybody has that ownership to be like, I don't like that. No, not okay. You know, not everybody has that um, communication IQ, maybe. I don't know that I think anybody who's spent 
a hefty amount of years, you know, more than a couple of years in a direct sales business, actually working that business, I think they all get it. Yeah. I mean, it's something that you kind of have to acquire, right? You have to learn how to acquire that for yourself is your ability to use your own voice. And you don't have a business if you don't use your voice. You don't have yeah. a business if you don't communicate. Right. And especially once I can't imagine the people who would just sit there and dial the actual fucking telephone, you know, 20 years ago. I can't imagine those Mary Kay ladies dialing the phone and calling people. No. Ah, that's how I was trained. I oh know. my God. My original sponsor told me I would never be successful because I refused to pick up the phone. And at the time, I was starting my business while I was working full time and in grad school full time, an hour away from where I lived. And I was like, fuck you. The time that I have available is 10 30 PM. I'm not calling anyone. Also, I don't pick up the phone because I don't like to talk to anyone. So I don't expect anyone to pick up the phone for me. (laughs) She had no idea how ahead of the times you were. I mean, for real. But it's true. People don't fully. And that's what I found in making new, new friendships is I'm like, if I'm thinking about you, I'm going to text you yeah. and I'm going to text you again. I'm going to text you again. And I'm going to actually tell you why I'm texting you. I'm going to communicate. I mean, I even helped my husband learn communicate via text because he's thinks he's asking questions of his family. And I'm like, there is no question mark. There's no question. You just sent a statement and didn't get a response. So you assumed that person doesn't care and didn't want to do the thing you're doing, but like you have to communicate. And that is one-on-one in direct sales, especially now, especially when we focus on social media and texting and all of that training. And so, um, and that it, it goes back to the feminism as well. Like, don't be afraid to say, who you are and what you're doing and what you are. And so with a direct sales business where you're messaging someone, follow up about some products they ordered, follow up because they were interested in a party, interested in the business. Um, it's the same lesson, you know, I trained on over and over again of offering things to someone and they can say no, but it's also part of like just saying, Hey, I'm showing up for you right now by sending you this message because I know you love shaving cream. Do you need some more shaving cream? Um, and that's, I'm here for. And it's the same thing of, you know, putting feminist on a sweater and proudly wearing it and taking pictures in it was me saying, this is who I am. And I'm showing up for you world as this. If you need something from me, from a feminist standpoint, I'm here to support you. I'm here to, to do it. What you're touching on is something that I am really interested in diving into because it's the concept of showing up as who you are. And so often I understand why it is this way, but so often the marketing training within the direct sales industry, not any particular company, but like all of them (laughs) is that you shouldn't talk about certain things because they will potentially be divisive. And I when, when I started my business, my original sponsor also told me that I should not tell anybody that I'm gay because of where we live and, um, that it could be bad for business. And I was like, first of fuck all, that's not how I roll. Um, but because I have always been who I am very authentically, with any business that I have been part of, with any endeavor that I have been part of, that allowed my clients to show up as who they are. And not all, in fact, probably most, I would would bet, of my clients did not necessarily share my views. Because even though I live in Kansas City, like the city proper, most of my clients were in the suburbs and the rural communities of Missouri, Kansas, um, some Illinois, some Iowa, some Nebraska. But what I did for them was show up truly as myself, which gave them permission to show up truly as their self, themselves, themselves. Um, And then also became a resource for them because when they knew someone who was coming out, they would be like, Oh, I know someone that I can ask questions to. I know someone that I trust that I can ask questions to, or 
when somebody was sitting at one of my parties and would come talk to me privately for shopping and say, thank you so much for using the word partner and not assuming that everyone has a husband. Thank you so much for, you know, whatever way I would phrase something because I'm bisexual. None of my friends know. I can't tell them, but I'm so glad to have you. Or like I would have, um, because I lobbied with Planned Parenthood, I would have some Planned Parenthood pens amongst my other pens for like filling out contact sheets and order forms and have someone come to me for the, you know, private conversations and say, thank you so much for having this available. I've had an abortion and none of my friends know. And so I'm so grateful that you are here. And just being authentically who you are, even if it goes against what your company says is important about marketing, because it could be divisive, is going to provide a safe space for your clients. Now, of course, there are ways that you might want to do that and ways that you might not want to do that. And if there's a topic that's important to you or not important to you, then that's going to come into play with like how you show up. But just the very idea that you should not post about anything political, that you should not speak out about anything political because it might be divisive is absolutely absurd to me. And because that's absurd, I never fucking did it. And I... 100% believe to my core that that is why my business was successful. That is why our team was successful because those are the kinds of people we had on our team, the people who were not going to hide the views they had on things that were important to them. And I just, <laughs> I think that there is too little space for feminism within the the conversation about direct sales, which is why we're having this conversation now. It just needs to be had. <laughs> well, and, and I think it's also interesting because I, I had, I mean, I sat in all of those trainings. I had those same fears and thoughts of, I don't want to, you know, screw my business, but I also had you as a sponsor and a best friend to be like, well, you know, she's doing it this way. And I, would try and find my own way being like, I can't do it. I can't be Kelly, but some of this doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's part of even the feminist thing of fully just saying feminist. I do think that was part of it. And so I think that's also where you, you run the danger of training people to not do that because I felt like, Oh God, it's, it's quote unquote bad. If I say I'm a feminist, I might make people mad, but like, our company is founded on feminist principles. Mm -hmm. it, that's what it was in, in, you know, in broad strokes. And so I took it to the extreme of the other way I, for a while. And I was too scared to say anything. Yeah. And I think that's so common. And then you're not right. And so once I finally just started, like, let me just be me. And it really did. It, it you know, helped me to be a full-time work from home, stay at home mom. Um, because then I was just being real in being a stay-at-home mom. And as divisive as parenthood is, it was different when that started for me seven years ago to talk about like, uh, my son was wearing a camouflage sweatshirt and we were in the yard and all of a sudden I couldn't find him for a moment. And then I realized it's because he's in the camouflage sweatshirt. Like <laughs> every parent can identify with that. Yeah. Um, and parent shaming and, and, you know, specifically mom shaming wasn't quite as prevalent then. Um, seven years ago on social media, particularly as it is now. Um, and it, it at least wasn't within my like own personal, like social media clients, whatever. But I really do like, I regret not being more vocal then about some of my political views, personal views, whatever. Um, and a lot of that is just because of within the last five years, things have changed a lot. And even just within the last two years of the pandemic and all of that, um, I'm not. I refuse to not be my authentic self always business or not. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not actively working my business and doing that for the last, um, you know, six, seven, eight months or so it has been easier. I don't stop and question, should I share this or, or post this or whatever? 
as many, many times as I did before. But I also think it's important that I think it's not being talked about. And maybe it is. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't attended, you know, a big direct sales training of any sort for in person for, you know, since before 2020. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's a conversation that I am not seeing had. And I see very, um, the direct sales people. I know I don't see all of them not, I don't see all of them doing this. Um, just because something is happening, something is the talk of social media, um, is the talk of, you know, news headlines, celebrity gossip, all of this, just because it happens doesn't mean you need to have a voice about it and comment on it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm, I'm noticing um, stuff that makes me feel icky. If you don't actually know about what's happening and you don't necessarily have a quote unquote opinion, sometimes, okay, hey, I'm just curious about your opinions on this. But I see so many doing it and I don't know their intention. But when I see it, my intention, my thought is their intention is I have to capitalize on this. I want to get more views, more likes, more whatever. Yeah. And sometimes that's okay. And sometimes that's kind of icky because maybe it's not something that needs to be fueling you. Maybe instead you should be doing some work of, Hey, let me do more research about what this is. Let me figure out what this means. And I think that's where, um, it's such an interesting, such a fluidity of how we talk about what's happening in our world, who we talk about it with. Do we talk about these things publicly? Do we not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that I do also think direct sales was wonderful to help you under, treat, teach you is in the trainings when they're like, don't air all your dirty laundry on your social media because your clients are there. But also really like sometimes you should just be talking to someone and not texting or posting <laughs> that on Facebook. Like there yeah. is a lot of stuff you don't need to just be posting on Facebook, especially vague booking and whatever. Some of that is not necessary and you will get so much more if you actually voice your thoughts to a person and have a conversation or go to therapy about it or go get a life coach and have that discussion with a life coach. Like posting it on Facebook is doing nothing other than getting other people to complain as well. And I am not on the negative thought complain train always. I I don't believe that it is beneficial for me to be like, I hate this. Everything sucks about this. And other, everyone else to say, I hate this. Everything sucks about this too. There are very, I mean, like that can be beneficial to a, to an extent, but it's not when you're posting about the exact same thing all of the time. And that's what's happening. And I do think that indirect sales, it did help. I can tell people who have not ever done any direct sales and how they use their social media and I can't look at them, their social medias a lot because of that. So I do think that is also another thing that really helps in direct sales. Like it's not, social media is not, it is not your therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And it is I not your group text. Yeah. <laughs> that's to the group that chat. Is like one of the things that um, is very beneficial from the trainings in direct sales organizations is like, making sure that when you are communicating, whether it's to an individual person or to the world at large in social media, that it's effective and it's really what you actually do want to say. And I think that that is something that people don't tend to think about all the time is that when you are posting on social media, it is to the whole fucking world. And is that really something that you, that you want to say to the whole world? And if so, do you, do you know why? And if you don't know why, maybe let's think about that. And if you don't like the reasons that you discover, maybe then that's something to consider. (laughs) Well, and also, you know, this is another benefit of the direct sales and having the team groups, because there were people who would go to our team group with things that maybe they, you know, before being on our team would have posted on Facebook and had a lot of random rants and whatever, but because it came to our team group, most of the people on our team automatically would see a post like that. And they would dig into the why and help that person go through that why and help someone 
Whereas if it was on their regular public Facebook page, you would have got a lot of, oh my God, that just sucks. Yeah. And sometimes stuff does suck. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sure. like, you know, standing up here on my, so I, I'm on my soapbox, but not like that soapbox, but it's not always helpful. Whereas it could have been, there were people you'd post on our team group and people would be like, you know, that's really crappy. What about this? Or have you thought about this? Or have you tried this? Or what? I mean, it was just, it was always trying to be supportive in not necessarily purposeful, but, you know, action oriented, maybe because sometimes what someone needs is an idea that, Hey, I could actually take action about this thing. And, and you just don't see that as much on a generalized Facebook post and direct sales gives you the tools to, you know, not only try and share things from an action point of view or like a interesting pondering this, but also then you have that team culture that is specifically with our team, I know, um, is also helpful. But even, yes, our team was amazing at that, but even being in various group um, chats and groups just through being like leadership and all of that, there really is a lot of that. And anytime someone will kind of come in and be like, well, I just hate that thing. That just fucking sucks. At least one person will be like, it kind of does. I liked it, but the alternative would be this. So I'm not sure, you know, just making sure people are seeing whole picture, big picture. What can we get out of this? What is this meaning? Where is this going type of thing? And I think that is a really wonderful, um, the people who, who don't, aren't able to ever do that. Don't stick around very long. No, for that they reason. Don't. Cause they, they can't don't. see that they can't pivot to take a busy Phillips is doing her best line. They don't know how to pivot. <laughs> in thoughts. So then they absolutely can't pivot when their favorite product is retired from the line or when um, there's a pandemic and they can't do parties in person and have to do them online or they have a hostess who has a last minute emergency and has to cancel. Like they don't know how to pivot. So if they can't pivot within just like one thought that they're posting on Facebook, they can't pivot in a business thus in their life and whatever. And, you know, direct sales is all about the pivots. Every communication training we had, every product training, there would be at least like two thoughts or two points of view or two options. Like if they say this, do this, but if they say this, do this, like the pivots were built in mm-hmm. to trainings and you can't help but absorb that into your life. You go to the grocery store and your favorite coffee creamer is out of stock, throw a hissy fit, <laughs> kick your cart. I, I've seen adults, grown-ass adults do this or say, okay, well, here's the things I like the most about my creamer. Let's start down the list. First, I want it to be oat milk based. Okay. Then I like these flavors. Okay. Here. And, and you just do these pivots and, but there are grown-ass adults who will go to the grocery store and are, have been doing it throughout the whole pandemic. My favorite blah, blah is ex- not there. I can't find it anywhere. Everything blows. This all sucks. Yeah. I'm really sorry. And it does suck for you, but maybe let's try a pivot because it's just a bag of potato chips, you know? So I think that's something that I see a lot of people in different direct sales businesses do very well. Yeah. And I think that that is something that is also commonly overlooked in terms of like why people stay or why people go. (laughs) Um, And I, said for years that joining a direct sales business was the absolute best personal development program anybody could ever hope for. And now I just, I would still say that outside of, um, (laughs) your coaching program. (laughs) Right. Like now I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) But I also do think, I mean, I, I think in terms of the investment for most direct sales companies, that's what's good about a lot of direct sales companies is you can get that personal growth and get all that with a minimal financial investment yeah, and even a minimal time investment, depending on what yeah. you're doing. So I do think it's a nice way of kind of like how, you know, it's, it's dipping your toe in the personal growth world without having to say, I'm doing personal growth. Right. Which is a lot easier for people to say now and a lot more like the stigmas are starting to break down. Just like it's, it is a lot easier for people now to say, I'm going to therapy or I'm on medication. I I take SSRIs. I have anxiety, I have depression. 
you know, even than it was five years ago. But yeah. there are still a lot of people that really, really are still terrified to say they're on medication, to say they're in therapy, well, and to say they're three a life coaching in the last week about medication from like you one know, and I was terrified for years too. But here is here is the evolution. I was terrified to let people even know I was going to a therapist. Then my therapist recommended I go to a psychiatrist because. I was going to a GP for medication and, you know, my therapist said, I feel like there could be better medication fits. And I think a psychiatrist would be a better fit for you to do that evaluation. So I went to a psychiatrist and I found something that worked for me. Now I'm on my second psychiatrist, um, that I've ever had because the first one like did great things for me, but I was uncomfortable with that person as a person. Like I just felt uncomfortable talking to that person directly. Sure. They were handling my care great, but I just, I wanted to feel more comfortable when I was discussing things with this person. And I was able to say, I'm going to change that. Also, I know very much because of the empowerment and voice I gained in direct sales, having yeah. a voice for yourself. Um, but having like, going from that to then being like, well, I'm on medication. I don't want people to know I'm on medication. Okay. I'm on medication. It's okay. Blah, blah, blah. To yesterday standing in a cafeteria with 60 kindergartners getting ready to do a little like end of year performance with this song and a teacher saying, this is really good. If it doesn't make you cry, well, it's probably going to make you cry. And my immediate response, and I said it out loud and I didn't care. I was like, well, my Zoloft makes it really hard for me to cry. So we'll just see. (laughs) I didn't care. And then guess what? I did actually end up crying. There were some actual tears because it was so sweet. But, but I was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm on Zoloft. And so it's harder to cry when I'm on Zoloft. I don't have tears as much. I don't just like, oh, weepy. Like you feel sad, but, and I didn't care who heard. I didn't, it doesn't matter. And I think that's something that is slowly pulling into, you know, our worlds. And I I love that that's becoming more of a common thing for people to not be afraid to talk about and say out loud, because the more you have that voice, the more other people are afraid to have their own voices. Well, and with God, of course, I'm not a doctor caveat here, but with the idea of mental health medication, the fact that so many people still do have this stigma against going to a psychiatrist keeps them with their GP prescribing medication that may not be the best fit. Doesn't mean it's not helpful, but just like, you know, your therapist said, Hey, I think a psychiatrist might be a better plan for you because they're more specialized. And so they have more in-depth information than what a GP would. And so many people are still so afraid of that, but yes, it is becoming more part of the conversation, which is phenomenal because the more, (laughs) the more help we can all get (laughs) for every part of life, I think the better we're all going to (laughs) be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's just so important. And they say it takes a village to raise a kid. Like it takes a village for life. And we don't have those villages anymore, which again, going back to direct sales is part of the draw and it's part of what yeah. people there. I mean, I, there were times and I still have these thoughts. I loved having our team. Even when I was doing the work on my own business, I loved having our team knowing I could be like, well, I'm going to do this and, oh, I'm doing this and supporting each other. And so then there, I mean, there are literal days when I'm like, where's my village to help me decide what and how to prepare food for myself and my family tonight, because <laughs> I don't want to do any of it. Yeah. And the more I hear people talk about back in the day, like literally back in the day, how anthropologists study, how there were the, there were the hunters, then they were the gatherers. And then there were the people who made the food and there were the people who cleaned up and whatever. And I'm like, I so would not have been the person that made the food. I don't think, but maybe I would have, because if I'm making it for everybody all at once, that's fine. But I hate, having to be in charge and responsible for making the dinner. It just sucks. Which is and I need to run a kitchen in a school <laughs> yeah, because I know that there are 270 kids going to come in in 45 minutes and need their breakfast. And then I know hours later, 350 kids are going to come in and they need their lunch. So I'm going to do those steps. 
And this is what I'm saying. I need a direct sales group team for dinner at home. I need to be like, today, here's the menu. You're going to do this. And now listen, don't at me. I could menu plan. I could do freezer meals. I could do, we've done Blue Apron before, all of this. There is nothing but my husband and my child to eat this food. And there is no pressure of, first of all, I'm not being paid to do it. And I don't have a timeline. This might be something that we can coach on. That could be some, some. And absolutely, this is true. But this is what I'm saying. This is where direct sales is so helpful to have the team and to have that because you have that built in, you have that there and it's can be so helpful in other areas of your life too. Yeah. Built in. That's, that's the thing. It's fucking built in. And of course, I mean, with the caveat that that may not be true of every company, it may not be true of every team, but within, I mean, the vast majority of the teams that we knew of through other leaders within the companies that we were with, it was built in. The support was built in. Also, it's built in with the other people that are there, team or no team, because still, you know, um, we were sitting at that one training. I was sitting at the one training with Megan and there was someone sitting by themselves and she's like, do you want to sit next to us? We're all sitting on the floor. That is still someone that I still see actively on Facebook weekly. I comment, I comment whenever I've seen her in person. She's like, I still remember that time I sat by you guys in that training. And because it's built in, like if someone looks like they could use just someone to smile with when you hear the joke in this training, people were always there to offer it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it happened hundred percent of the time, but it happened a lot and it did happen more often than it adamantly didn't happen. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't not happening because people were adamant. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm sure there were times it didn't happen because people just didn't have that awareness or they were dealing with their own stuff or whatever. But like, if there was awareness, then it probably happened. Like, Hey, join us. Yeah. Hey, hey, sit, sit with me type of thing. Yeah. And within like the concept of it being built in, you're right. It isn't relegated to specific teams. And there, there are actually a couple of people who I think three people um, who I'll be talking to coming up soonish. I don't know what that means in terms of when this will go up and when they will go up, but in terms of when we're recording this soonish, um, who were not part of our team, but um, one was part of the original company that we started with. And for clarification, for those of you listening at home or wherever the fuck you are, I don't know. Um, the company that we started with was bought out by another company about six or seven years into my career. So what, like three or four into yours? I was only two. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Time is weird. Um, but uh, yeah, very weird. <laughs> so um, we were technically with two different companies, but running the same businesses. Um, and so one of the people I'll be talking to came from the original company that we were with. One of them came from a position of prestige that I, th- I think I met her. Okay. So we both held the, held the title of, posi- of one of the positions of prestige. I held that title before you did, we held it together. And then I held a different title after that. And I think it came from the first time I held that title. Um, and then one of them came from the higher position of prestige that I earned in 2020. Um, and so it's like, none, none of them were part of our team, but I had connections with them and built in support with them because of other groups that we were part of within the company and within the the organization. And so even if I know some people like to say, well, my, my team's not supportive, so I can't be successful in my business or my sponsor's not supportive. So I can't be successful in, in my business. And yes, team is important. And also it's not everything. You can create your own team. Much support. So much support. You can create your own, your own team of, of support period. By asking, reaching out, looking. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think 
we have talked for long enough. This is likely what's going to happen every time we talk. <laughs> um, so it'll be lengthier than the short five to 10 minute um, episodes that I typically do. Um, but also it's also not three hours. So not three hours. Like some of the, you can fuck right off because I'm fine with them being three hours. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get there. Um, but it will always be this type of conversation, hopefully worthwhile for you. Hopefully you'll pick some nuggets up from it that you take with you and enjoy. Um, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a monthly endeavor and I'm very excited about it. So, um, Laura, thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on Insta at lessons with Laura, uh, because I have life lessons that sometimes I share and sometimes they're just, Hey, appreciate the sunset today. Cause I'm a real sunset bitch. And sometimes they're, you know, about rescue dogs or, um, parenting or, um, you know, being a feminist without, uh, feeling like it means you have to be seen as radical because radical and feminism are not the exact same things always. So anyway, lessons with Laura on Insta is where I'm at. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me.